the Everyman <laughs> Podcast. Yeah, there it is. Big dog. Dude. Daryl Campbell. That should be like the soundtrack for America. This could right heal there. the world, man. That I'm going to let it ride a little longer just so everybody can hear the hook. Just so they can oh, get yeah. a little taste of it because it's it's hot. Like this pod today with Mark Holcomb from Periphery. Oh, Let me tell you something. Fuego. In Fuego. In Fuego. Uh, you know what I mean? That's that's how you know it's good. When it hits you with the horns. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll say it. Whoever did this, they must be up to something interesting. Majestic. It is masterfully majestic. <laughs> Dog. And of course, that's French for awesome. <laughs> that is French for awesome. Uh, Daryl, bro, what's going yeah. on, man? Bro, another day. Every man up, every way up, clanging and banging. Oh, yeah. Clipping and dripping. That's right. That's, that's what it's all about, man. Cosmic and new pimping. From tip to tail, from sea to shining sea. <laughs> And uh, and even in Luxembourg, it's time for the Everyman Podcast. And uh, you know, shout out to the great Luxembourg. We're still holding it down there. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row, baby. We love Love you, Luxembourg. Um, Listen, I say this a lot, okay, and it's partially because I really love what we're doing here. Truly love doing this podcast with you. Absolutely. This is one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done. So it's anytime, here's the thing, whenever you can just have a natural moment with somebody, just a natural moment, just genuine, you know, yeah, you talk about their career, yeah, you talk about what they specialize in, but when you, when it's just three, you know what it's like? Just three bros, man. Yeah. Just three bros sitting in the cosmic canoe and just, just, just shooting some, just bouncing some sparks off one another, man. That's, that's what it was. That's what it is. Truly, truly, it was the beginning of the. It was the beginning of what I. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to say it's going to be a great and uh, bountiful friendship here between uh, DC brother Jay and Mark Holcomb, and uh, oh, yeah. you know, infinitely talented guitarist, songwriter, uh, clinician, guitarist, maestro extraordinaire. Um, oh, obviously, you know, Grammy nominated Periphery, Haunted Shores. PRS guitarist talent. And this is one where we really didn't get into much music. So if you're here for the music, hang on. It'll, it'll, yeah. You'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> but uh, this is one where we just, we, we had a great conversation about what makes, you know, what, what makes us all us and, and really oh, yeah. kind of opening up and sharing with each other. Um, and really it's like you're watching uh Watching a little flower bloom, a little friendship flower bloom before your very eyes. Um, so obviously, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're enjoying what you've heard, um, take a minute and, and leave us a review in Apple uh, Podcast or Google Play or Spotify if you're listening to us on Spotify. Uh, leave us a review. Uh, tell us what you like about the show. Mm-hmm. Just share it with your friends. You know, we're committed to uh, to shining our light and, and, and bringing the light from others, people we look up to. And sharing that with you, and every week, and every 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 month, every passing moment, this this canoe gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, you know, we love you all. We're happy to be to be connected to you all, part of your daily routine or your weekly routine, or maybe you listen once a quarter, uh, and you listen to them all on one day per quarter, like a like an like a quarterly report. Um, 
I appreciate you. And, um, you know, take a second, leave a review in there. Check out some of the other podcasts. If you're coming for the first time, mm-hmm. thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Cosmic Canoe. Uh, check out our interview with Matt Halpern. You know, check out our interviews with John Petrucci, Mike Mangini, the Between the Buried and Me boys. Uh, we've yeah. got a lot of stuff out there for you. Got some, a lot, we talk football today. We've got a lot of NFL ones. Um, but but take, take some time. Check that out. Um, Find us on Instagram, the Everyman Podcast. That's where we uh, we post a lot of our clips and who's going to be on the podcast next. And uh, you know, just just hang with us, strap in. You know, pop 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 yourself a white claw if you're working. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, have some coffee or Red Bull or shit. It maybe I don't know. Maybe you can drink on your job. I don't know what you do. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, every you, man. Yeah, fuck, every man. Do jump it. In a, just jump in a boat. Jump in a canoe with us. Get man. in the canoe. We got a big boat. So Get in there's here. plenty of room for you. So, um, you know, with that being said, man, there's a nice, nice, healthy one. Um, curious what everybody thinks about this one, so we hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's kick it to Mark Holcomb. Let's get it. <laughs> All right, man. So the Everyman Podcast this week, uh, we got a very special guest from the Grammy-nominated, ugh, Grammy-nominated periphery, and uh, Haunted Shores, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Holcomb. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's man. Weird yeah. to hear you say Grammy nominated. It's always, that's always weird. Well, I always it's think a- I, I think that's one of those cool things in that uh, once you get that, you got to – I think it's yeah. like it comes with it. You know, and I always thought that is like the highest uh, – maybe yeah. not in like – maybe not two musicians. It's not the highest honor, but externally – for people that aren't musicians, they hear that and they're like, "Whoa, you know." Respect. So I gotta, Respect. I gotta throw it on there when it's when it's there, man. You know, it, there's part of me like there's like the inner douche inside of me that <laughs> constantly like when I meet somebody like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You, you want to pull that out at Guitar Center for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like it's weird because when that happened to us, it, it was such a, like a like a like a what like a bizarre like yeah. What the f- Grammy, like who's trolling? Is Ashton Kutcher writing us an email right now, <laughs> like nominating us for a Grammy? And then we were, so we were just like kind of taken aback. It was an honor, but like it turned out to be a bigger deal for like our family and around us because kind of like you said, it's like the person on the outside, yeah, all of a sudden like validates us, you know? And yeah. you're like, oh, okay, it's legitimized now. This dumb thing that you do where the guy's yelling and it's just like eight string guitars. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean for, for, for my band, you know, Extractus, we that's how Daryl and I met is through music and NFL films. And um you know, when we, we had an opportunity to have our music there, it was the same thing. It was like, oh well it was there, so it must be okay. Right. <laughs> so it's pretty. So yeah, right, right. So it's it's yeah. it's a lot it's a lot better for the for the uh, non musician because I think the thing that's interesting to me about um, well one of the many things but there's this parallel that I've I've learned about since getting getting with Daryl is uh, like musicians and pro athletes and whether it's like because we've had professional wrestlers on the show you know we've had. Uh, entertainers like from just just social media people just like all over like there's this interesting commonality between all these different entertainers or people that are artists or musicians or whatever and uh you know it centers around trying to connect with other people and um one of the things i wanted to just right off the bat get into is i was watching some of your clinic videos and you really seem to have like a genuine desire to connect with people that want to connect with you what's how, how did you kind of have that 
like develop or have you always been like that or is that something that once you started kind of you know getting out in the world with it with periphery and seeing these big audiences that like you kind of leaned into it how did that all work out for you i mean that kind of um energy that you picked up on that's that's really all kind of an act. That's a facade. It's uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> really? Stop! 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 No, but um, no, that it, that's about as genuine as it gets. Um, because you know, I think I speak for other other artists, other people who do this for a living, and um, I can imagine athletes as well. Anybody super dedicated to a craft. Um, a craft or a dedication that spans years and decades of one's life, you have a tendency to go into into sort of this tunnel vision, where you where you block out the things that you're not obsessed with. Mm. And when I'm like working on something, or when I'm like chasing a, a thread, or, or for instance, when I was learning guitar when I was younger, nothing else existed. And I imagine it's like, and this is why I have such a fascination with sports is like, is it, it's the it's the idea of unconditional dedication that fascinates me that's why i've always loved sports and that is commonality in my eyes as well um but my my danger my pitfall in the past has been sort of neglecting other things in my life uh neglecting you know like i was a really awkward kid and teenager and young adult when i was learning guitar and getting into music because i didn't care about being social i didn't care about being a graceful human being um, and you know, the rest of my life suffered and I still kind of get like that, you know, like I, I still, when I'm chasing that thread, when I'm locked into my world, I lose sight of those things. And for me, what connecting with other people does is it, it's kind of like a time machine. Uh, cause I, I can relate to people who want to know about the music business. I can relate to people who are, who are desperate for knowledge. I can, I can relate to them. I can see I, I can see real desire and, and, and a want for improvement uh, when, when I talk to some of these people. And, and these clinics are a great example as I meet all kinds of different people with just crazy different backgrounds. And it takes me out of that small place, you know, and that, that, that I'm talking about my headspace is like I'm locked in there. But when I meet people, when I connect, it takes me out of there and it gives me perspective that helps me appreciate the big picture. And that's something I think... Um, I struggle with is appreciating the big picture of things. And, uh, you know, I have a number of different ways now that I go about training myself to appreciate the big picture. So I don't lose sight. It's like this balance, right? Cause if you're constantly admiring and appreciating everything about your life, you're not doing anything productive, right? You're just sitting there and marveling at everything, but you also don't want to be like completely locked in. It's just this, it's this balance. I feel like is, is the, is the healthiest cocktail, I guess, for, for happiness I'm finding out. So, it's genuine, legit, legit. Yeah, I can, I, I can also relate to that idea of like, <clears throat> be, there's a cost to getting good at something, and and being fascinated by that in sports or music. And you know, when I was a kid, I had I, I've I had a heart problem, and I I got limited in what I could do, but drumming was still okay, and I found ways that I could do it, and you know, electronic drums, things like that, and eventually got it corrected. But anyway, my point is, that was all I could really do. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to just like get really good at this and spend all my time doing this. And I just was kind of holed up in it. And that became my whole identity. And um, I remember guys like John Five is a perfect example. Like I read an interview with him at some point in Guitar World where he talked about when he was a little kid, like he practiced so much when he was growing 
like 12 hours a day or something crazy that his left hand grew longer, like his fingers are longer than his right hand because of all the stretching that he was doing. Like, cause he literally would like not do his homework and just play guitar from like the time he got home from school and then right. until the morning and then go to school and then sleep at school. Like it was crazy shit. But like, yeah. that's like the dedication that fascinates me. And like, not to get into whole random pro wrestling, but that's like the people that do that are the same way as uh, people like us that try to get really good at whether it's, you know, like Daryl with, with, with football or just the knowledge of the game that goes with it that I had no idea about until I started to learn about it from him and just the, the hours and hours it takes to get to the level that, that you're at with guitar, you know. Um, there's a cost for that. And it's almost like it's like you've got to really, like you said, thinking about the big picture, you know, when you're young, you, you kind of have this like, tunnel vision view of what being a professional musician is going to be like. And I talk about it all the time I, with like guys like Tommy Rogers or, you know, uh, even Matt, we talked Matt Halpern in the last couple of weeks. Like you think it's going to be all glitz and glamor, but it's like so much work and so much dedication and sacrifices, whether it's like relationships that you have that you put on the back burner or you neglect, you know, I can, I know I've done that in the past where <clears throat> I didn't have this, the, I didn't have the big picture foresight as a young musician to to see that and see where i was pushing things that i should have centered you know what i mean um and it's like it's so easy to fall into that because you're like no i want this i want this i want this and you're you love something like that so much and it becomes your identity you know um that it's easy to like get pulled in a bunch of different directions daryl i know you i know you can relate to that bro well, I, I tell you what, I, I, and, and, and Mark, I, I agree with you there. There is a cost to fine focusing and there is a cost to dedicating yourself to a craft to where, you know, you miss out on being present, whether it be with family, whether it be with friends, whether it be your loved ones. But I kind of find that even in my career from going from the gridiron into the production world, world at NFL Films, being a producer now, like we're doing hard knocks right now. And oh, that's awesome. And the, the grind is seven days a week. I was telling Justin this morning, I was driving in, listening to, to your Vectors song. Um, and it was like, I need this to get me to work and to keep my, <laughs> keep my brain centered. But it, it's, it's, it's like, okay, so there's that cost that you had with, you know, investing all of, all of what you are into your craft. But the payoff is, there's a gregarious 350-pound man on his way to NFL Films vibing to your music. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. At, at, at 4 at a.m. 4 so, yeah. like, I think to, to, to that end, it's paid in full, right? It's like full <laughs> circle, and it's, and, it's, and it's great because I benefit from what you were blessed with with respect to your craft. And I, and I feel that, you know, when I've, I've, I've played NFL ball for six years, I go to Canada for two, I bounce around in the arena for five, and then here I am at NFL Films, but whenever I get a chance to go speak to a high school, I go talk to young kids and young people, and, you know, they're like, hey, you're, like, still in your 30s. Why aren't you still playing football? I'm like, hey, you know what? God has had a different plan. I'm doing something else. But, hey, I'm thankful because now I can pass on all this knowledge that all these things that I've invested in myself to you. So I don't – I feel, oh, man, all that time I miss with my family – you know, and all those times when my, my wife was like, hey, you got to be more present in the home with, with us and your son and things like that. She'll say something like last night. She'll go, you know what? I know you're you're a good man. You're a great man. And, and, and you're working to be more present here. 
but I'm thankful for everything that you do working because you help people with the knowledge and the things that you've gained over the course of your years in, in, in both professions. So, you know, there's a cost, but I think, you know, the way life works um, is paid back in full in other people. Yeah, and I, and I, I, I hear what you're saying because I've talked to musicians who have been doing this a lot longer than me, um, you know, by 15 or 20 years, and, and uh, they, they kind of tend to echo those, the, those kinds of feelings. It's like, yeah, when you're young, kind of like you were saying, Justin, when you're young, thing, it's like it's very myopic. You're very, it's a, you're very selfish, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. Well, you almost, because, you almost have to be to, to get yeah. to a certain level in a craft, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, there is a reward that comes to, you know, finding new ways to, you know, share that. And it's part of the reason why, you know, why I am like that at clinics and why Periphery is like that as a band. It's like, you know, we are very open with our knowledge, with our uh, sort of public personas. You know, it's like you could write any one of us a direct message and we'll more than likely respond because we don't we're not this secret you know, c- cabal who has these, you know, just we have like uh, robes and stuff. We hang out in, a, in an old wardrobe. It's like we're we're as transparent. We're a, a, a glass revolving door of information and, and appreciation. Really, it's like that you, you can't be any other way, I feel these days. But that's that, that's kind of a whole nother conversation with technology and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of our, our culture. It really is. And I, I you know, I always whenever we have an interview, I always get into social media, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, see what people are talking about. And, uh, you know, I saw a post of yours, and you were talking about you pulling back on social media. And um, and you're saying how ironically you're posting on social media to say how you're pulling back on it, which I thought was funny. But, um, you know, a while ago, I made a concerted effort, like on Reddit, I turned off the photos and the posts, you know, so it's just text. And then I, I just kind of put my stuff in folders away and I, I tried to occupy my time with other things and get away from that. And there's so much to be said about like freeing yourself up from that a little bit and uh, kind of putting that time into like, you know, whether it's relationships with other people or like, you know, guitar or crafts, whatever. Um, I thought that was that was interesting that you, you know, mentioned that that's a way that you've kind of been able to keep yourself in a good position. Well, I've I've been, you know, sort of groomed throughout my career, as I think all of Periphery has. And I feel like most musicians are. Social media is something you need, unfortunately, as a musician now to to, to get anywhere. And that really bums me out to say, um, because it can be quite toxic. But uh, it can be helpful if used correctly. Um, I I started thinking about this differently some months ago. Um, You guys know the comedian um, uh, Conan O'Brien? Of course, yeah. Yeah, he has a really awesome podcast, and mm-hmm. he was telling a story about him meeting the comedian um, Gary Shandling, who, who who passed away mm-hmm. some years back. And Gary is just like this, you know, this generational talent. You know, he's a brilliant comedian. And uh, before his death, sometime, like I want to say a year before his death or so, he was talking to Conan, and he said, uh, yeah, things have been tough. You know, it's just like the, the, the media, you know, people are saying bad things online about a special that I did or something. Is giving giving him shit, and Conan was like, "You're Gary Shandling. Why are you reading c- comments from strangers about 
yourself? Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. why, why are you investing so much effort and care into what complete strangers have to say about you? And I like made me take, take a step back and I'm not calling myself anywhere near that level of like a, a master in my field as Gary Shandling was in comedy. But the, I think the rule is the same. It's like, I'm not, I didn't start to do this for anybody else but myself. I'm thankful and I'm really appreciative of people who buy into this and who are along for the ride. But, uh, but to be so hyper obsessed yeah. with what complete strangers who more than likely, more than likely you'll never meet. And if you do meet them, it will be an exchange this quickly. You know, um, it's just, it just seems like a monumental waste of energy to me. And I don't want to piss off anybody out there who, you know, who, who I correspond with online, but it's like, I, I try to wean myself off of that because of how inconsequential I realized it all was, you know, to be so hyper invested in it. I think it has its benefits and its pluses, but um, man, I've let it hit some pretty bad levels. You know I mean? We all have like sitting sure. there scrolling through social media at like midnight. <clears throat> like, Dude, I got to wake up in five hours. What am I doing? Right. And, and I think the other thing is, you know, these things, I don't think we all realized that these things as they, cause they didn't just, they weren't just like this from the start. They were very, yeah you know, bare bones and they got us kind of hooked on them. And then as they got better, they got more and more drilled into like our lizard brains, you know, and like (laughs) it's all designed to play on certain subconscious levels of your brain that you want to interact with. And then, you know, not to mention the fact that they start showing you things that maybe will just get you angry just so you engage with it more. And, um, it's all very, very strange. And like, I know with this podcast, you know, in the last, uh, you know, I guess we, you know, we've been around for about a year and a half, but last eight months or so, we've really started to see a lot of growth. And, and then with that comes like comments, you know, and at first it's like, it's cool. And I'm trying to be like, cool with everybody. And then sometimes I'll just get these wacky, like you talk too much on your own, on your pie. And I'm like, and then I'm like, then I'm like, for hours, I'm like, what is he, what do you mean? What do you mean? And then but I'm like, you just ignored, but you just ignored 20 really nice things, you know? Right. Like, you get sucked uh, into the one. Exactly. And I'm looking, it's like, who the fuck put two thumbs down on this interview? You know, like, how could you not, how could you listen to this guy and, and not like this man? You know what I mean? Like, who are you and what's your problem? But I'm like bypassing the 64 thumbs. Up. It's just a funny, like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's like your brain just. It's 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 almost like it's that by default now, and you have to work to not think like that. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know um, the first time I ever read anything mean about myself ever, it was on a comment in like 2007 or 2008. Somebody commented on a YouTube video. They're like, "This guy has large nostrils." <laughs> like, like, geez, man, come on. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I was really put. I was really pissed off about that. Like, yeah. I was, I was like, but then I, th- I thought to myself, I was like, this is a video of me playing guitar. This guy said I have huge nostrils. If, if the only bad thing he has to say is about my nostrils, then I guess I'm doing something right, right? Like, yeah. Like, I, he's no, not I'm not a bad guitar much. player. Tone's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, even if you are saying, first of all, I have a lot, I, I have a lot thinner skin than I like to admit. Um, I, I would like to say that like I'm not affected by shit like that, but I am. I feel like it's this constant mentality that I'm struggling to like to not care about what other people are saying, right? Like it's something I had to remind myself, be like, okay, like 
you're you're valid on your own. Be happy on your own. There's no need to get sucked into into negativity. But I'm trying to reprogram myself in that way, and it's like it's a it's, it's a, hard. sort of a dialogue. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. It's, it's tough. We, and, it's it's so. But like I said, it's so easy to just be like, oh. And then get fixated on that guy, that one thing, you know, yeah. and then like, you're like, oh, am I, do I, do I, am I this? And cause dude, I've gotten, I've, it's like, I remember like back on, on Instagram years ago, somebody said something like, oh, you play the same fill over and over again. And I was like incensed because one, he was wrong. And two, I'm like, just, it pissed me off, you know, like it, it just really pissed me off for whatever reason. And obviously still it bothers me, but you know, like you, you try to move on and, and it's almost like the, 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 the devices don't want you to move on. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you were saying, rate rage, rage is what they go after. They want to make you pissed off and rage is addictive. Yeah. Being outraged is a drug. You Ooh, know? Yeah. That's, that's why you open Facebook and everything is about Trump and, and, and the virus and, 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 and Epstein and things are going to make you really upset and, and you yep. want to keep pushing that button because it feels good to be angry at something sort of uh, amorphous and, and nebulous, you know, like it's also yeah. good to feel like you uh, know why everything is going wrong or what you perceive to be wrong, you know, mm -hmm. and um, we, we, we talk about that a lot. Like we try not to get we, we never get into politics or anything like that. We The way we look at it is there's plenty of places for people to go get that, you know. And um, But at the same time, when you look at what's going on, it's, like, so clear that there is, like, some sort of concerted effort to, to keep people yelling at each other, whether it's online or on the streets or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, like, I've gotten to the point where I, you know, I don't have Facebook on my phone. I, I download it once a week so to keep the podcast going, you know, post it on there and stuff. But I just don't, because I realized, like, I started to think, like, number one, with touring, and you could probably relate to this, like, I played a couple shows with, like, you know, some band, and this was, like, the merch guy for them nine years ago, you know? And then I'm, like, looking at the stuff this person's posting now, and I'm like, why am I still looking at this shit? I don't even know this fucking guy, number one. You know, and like for some reason, nine years ago, I thought, oh, yeah, let's be free because you're thinking like networking, like because that's what it used. That's kind of what the purpose used to be. Then it morphed into this like soapbox thing. And I realized like you, 10 years ago, you maybe even 15 years ago to go back a little further. You didn't know what your fucking neighbor thought about abortion or the war in Iraq unless you went and talked to him like, hey, what do you think about the war in Iraq? And then they gave you an opinion. Yeah. Now, yeah. now you're getting unsolicited opinions that you probably disagree with, but you used to, you used to, there used to be the same amount of disagreement, but right. you just didn't know about it because it right. wasn't your business. Right. And that's right. why like I get weirded out when they, when, when this, there's like this media presentation of like, this has never happened before. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, of, right. course, of course this has happened before. It does. Everything is a, happened before. This, this, yeah. None of this is yeah. new. And and it's, people keep playing into it. What do you think? What do you think that that's all about? I I mean it's like you guys are in your thirties, right? We're all in the same generation, yep. right? Yep. Like I remember, like when I was a teenager, a kid, I would hear maybe five, ten opinions all day, like <laughs> right, of my friends, like teachers who said I was fucking up, my parents who said I was probably fucking up, and right. my brother who was like, who, "No, you're cool." <laughs> yeah, you're cool. <laughs> um, 
and that's it. And now, like you, like you said, you're just bombarded. Especially if you put a product out there, um, especially if you put out a podcast, you put out a song. But like, even if you're just the average Joe, you're just you log on Facebook, and somehow you know that your first grade teacher thinks that chemtrails are created by <laughs> to make us all gay. You know, it's like it's so true. It's yeah, it's crazy. And like somehow, that, like somehow, this opinion that like we clearly all share is like the like it's either the minority opinion or people just aren't talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I also think they're they're just they're just content to not question and content to like do something to not do anything about it. And I, I started realizing that it was bad for my mental health. Yeah, to me too. Lock in, locked into it all the time, man. So yeah, I, I'm, yeah I, I have new boundaries with it. This is these are all like the word boundaries is like a keyword that's really entered my mind in the last uh, year or so with my relationship with social media. It's just like have firm, clear boundaries with people in your life. With yeah. your career, with uh, with anybody you meet, and I think especially social media in this day and age. Yeah, you just you never. I mean, that's why, like the way we do this show, and I was telling you before we got on the podcast, is is we just we have an open conversation. We don't, you know, we don't edit things out unless, like, you know, I don't know, something messes up with the with the recording. But um, because I want people to realize that, like, you can sometimes start in two different places and then come to an agreement or at least an understanding with each other. Cause that happens many times in this podcast where maybe we don't understand something or our guest, a guest might turn us on to an idea that we just had never looked at it like that before. I know it happens for me all the time. Um, yeah. and, and it's like, it's okay to change your mind. And like, that's one of the things I think is so interesting where it's like, especially with this topic, you know, social media cancel culture kind of thing where it's like, so-and-so said X, Y, Z, you know, however long ago. And then, but, but since then they've atoned, you know, and they're living their life a better way now, clearly by their actions. Like, it's like, you can't change. Although we want you to be different. You know what I mean? And you, you're like not afforded the ability to change. And it's like, I thought, I thought that was like this, the whole thing here. Like, it's like, in uh, what is it? Uh, uh, wedding crashers like I thought we were in the tree of trust, you know. <laughs> Will Ferrell. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, th- yeah. I, th- I thought we gave second chances here. It's just uh, I don't know. The world's in a weird place. I don't know why people are so quick to hit the cancel button these days. Now, on people, obviously, there's cases like Bill Cosby and those kinds kinds of people who you're like, okay, yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah, right. Harvey Weinstein. Exactly. There's clear cut scenarios, but man, I, you know, I feel like a lot of it's just boredom. Like people love watching someone go up in flames. It, it's like we yeah. don't have public executions anymore, thank God. But it's a good thing we don't. Next, yeah, I mean, what's the next best thing? Watching somebody be publicly executed in terms of their career. It's like it's like we're, we want to. Let's like Game of Thrones is not here anymore. Let's watch someone get beheaded publicly yeah, for real <laughs> via their career. So well, you yeah. know the thing that's weird about it is like it's like this uh, killer bee mentality or something where like. You know, obviously you're a comedy fan, so like Chris D'Elia, I'm sure you've seen what's going on with him, and uh, it's like some some accusations come out about him, and like rightfully so, action is taken, and the the it's like little kids playing a soccer game, and they kick mm-hmm. the ball, and then the whole mob of kids go to the where the ball is, and they kick it again, and then they all go to the thing. It's like there's no real plan. It's just like happening, and then everybody runs to it, reacts. Oh, this guy mm-hmm. did this get them and then they go and get that and then it's like 
meanwhile, I'm like, hey, so whatever happened, like, you know what one is interesting? Perfect example. Uh, do you remember the MAGA bomber? Uh, this, exactly. Okay, so this was the guy. This was the guy who was a professional wrestler slash male stripper slash male bomber. And he sent all those ma- bombs in the mail to, like, CNN and, like... Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then they had that manhunt, and they were like, we're looking for a white van. We got to get this guy. And then they found his van, and he had, like, all these crazy stickers all over his car and shit. And, like, it was the craziest story, you know? A male stripper slash pro wrestler slash bodybuilder hitman tries to kill Chris Cuomo from CNN. Big thing. And then I'm like... Whatever happened to that, you know? And it just, like, goes away. And then I'm, like, I'm like Googling, like, oh, but, 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 oh he's awaiting trial in March 2021. And I'm, like, interesting. Okay. But, like, the, you would stuff that you would think is a big deal isn't. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, other things stick around for forever. It's, it's, really, it's really interesting. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's a weird world we live in, man. It is. It is. Well, enough of the weird world. People are probably wondering, like, when are they going to talk about, like, guitar or something <laughs> but uh that's that's what being in the cosmic canoe is all about so one of the things we talk about on here all the time uh, man is uh the cosmic canoes this idea that we're all kind of on this shared journey together you know one way or another you the way when you start really slicing things down you probably have a connection to like everybody and um you know the pulling up that energy that positive energy that we put out to other people it just helps propel us forward on that journey and bring you know new people in board on board the cosmic canoe so so you know you're in it with us all the listeners are in it with us and um you know obviously you got that that sweet bears shirt on how did you become a bears fan tell us tell us what's up with with uh with that whole deal so because obviously you know daryl was a bear and he is actually bear like which is interesting <laughs> i freaked out when i saw that online daryl i was like okay i I gotta, I gotta pick this dude's brain. I gotta talk to him. Um, but uh, man, I'm like, yeah. I mean, my dad, my dad was uh, was Air Force. We moved around uh, a lot as, as as kids, and he was raised in Chicago Heights. Um, I never actually lived in Chicago, but I just grew up with all the Chicago paraphernalia yeah. around the house as a kid. So Blackhawks, Bears, Cubs, Bulls, um, everything, and. Uh, I just, it, I honestly don't even remember a distinct point. It was just like, it, to me, it's just like doing the dishes. It's like, yeah, the Cubs game is on. It's on WGN. Go, go watch it. Or, you know, I, I was too young, you know, for the, like, the Super Bowl shuffle Bears years. But, like, just being a kid shortly after, like, like you know, eight, nine, ten-year-old, like, discovering the ins and outs of football at that age, you heard references to Walter Payton, references to yeah. – you know, to, to fridge and everybody and then the defense and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, I, I, I became like sort of a diehard all over again in the Lovey Smith era. Um, uh, yeah. And so tell me, so you, did you play under, under Lovey? Yeah, I played under, I played under Lovey. He was, uh, he was my, my, my head coach for two years. So, and, and so for me, I feel the same way as, as you did. Like, Growing up, again, you know, I, I, I missed the Super Bowl shuffle mm-hmm. days, but I knew what it was all about because I grew up on the south side of Chicago. So mm-hmm. for me, it was like, okay, grew up Bears fan. Hey, where are you going to go to school? Well, obviously someplace close to Chicago just so I can stay close to home, right? Go to Notre Dame, graduate from there. Hey, uh, you going to play NFL ball? Yeah, yeah, hopefully, if that's the thing. Tear my ACL the week before the draft. Uh, oh. And still, literally, like, 
<laughs> tear my, my ACL the year before the draft, uh, the week before the draft, and then literally I'm on a phone conversation with Lovey Smith, who's coming in, Jerry Angelo, the, the, the GM, and then um, Ron Rivera, who says, hey, listen, kid, you know, we, we talked to all your teachers, we talked to all your coaches in Notre Dame, and we want to give you an opportunity to play for us, and we'll rehab you on our own dime. So make the best of it. Wow. And that turned and that turned into a six year career. So but what, what I say all that to say this is like those ties to Chicago when you're when when you're a little kid and you grow up they just stick with you and it's like that's just what I'm gonna do. Hey, we're good, you're gonna play for, for I'm, I'm, hopefully I can play for the Bears and it just so happened and God bless me. So it's just awesome. So when I see that bear shirt and I see the smooth ridges and not the new Revolution helmet sharps, I'm like that's yeah. that's, that's that's Bears football, man. I do have to admit that I was wearing a different shirt. Wow. I don't know. Oh, and then I was like, I should probably wear a bear shirt for this. <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> That's perfect. That's what's up, man. Yeah, it's you know, I'm I'm the same way with the Steelers. Like you're you're like kind of born into it with the Bears there. Oh yeah, and dude, it's it's like for in some ways it's even more satisfying when they suck really bad. You know? It's like <laughs> you're still a fan. Because, because you're still a fan. And it's like it's it's something that like, you know, um, it's like Warriors fans. It's like nothing against Warriors fans, but there's a lot of new ones. There's a lot of new ones, and it's like if you go up to a Warriors fan and be like, "Hey, you like Chris Mullen? Hmm? Yeah, Chris Mullen. <laughs> Mitch Richmond? No, nothing. Wait, did Mitch Richmond play for the? No, he played for the Kings. It's like uh-huh. when, it's like nice. How long have you had that jersey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you got to be a fan during the down years. Like, yep. you got to follow the down years Have and follow to. the drafts and like. You gotta stick with your team. It's like sometimes people say they're like, "Oh man, it's like, you know, Jordan retired. Like, who am I? What team am I gonna am I gonna follow now? Or like, LeBron left the Cavs. Who am I gonna follow now? It's like, dude, stick with the Cavs. Like, stick with them. You know, I think the business of like the NBA, though, in particular, uh, since you mentioned LeBron, is like, or Jordan, you know, but is uh, they sell more jerseys if they make you just a fan of a player that bounces to a bunch of teams so like i think there's almost it's almost better business overall for players to move around a lot you know it is and for such a star-centric sport which it's like the most glamorous sport in the world because of its focus on the stars and it's like one of my favorite sports is hockey i love hockey but it's such a team sport yeah and it happens to be by far the smallest of the four major ones you know um and, and i feel like like football with its current success now, it's, it has such tangible star power. You know, uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a, a positive business move to have these kinds of faces where you can recognize a mile away. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you something though, Mark. At playing in Montreal and like seeing some of those hockey players. Yeah. Dude, football players are small as shit, bro. Like, Wait, really? Hockey They're... players are ginormous, bro. Wow. Ginormous. Like um, on skates too. So you imagine like football being played on skates, like ice skates, and you're just you know sliding around like 20, 30, 40 miles an hour, uh, rocketing pucks at people's faces at hundred miles an hour. No, thank you. No mask. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna pass. But you know, um, so the band and I, we played a, a show in Columbus, Ohio, a couple of years ago, and we had a day off, and uh, our management just sort of hit up. The Blue Jackets, the the hockey team there, and like, could you get the boys tickets? And they were so kind to oblige. And we went to the game, and the Bruins were in town, and they have a player named Zdeno Chara, uh, a defenseman who's, I believe, he's around seven feet. 
What? That's insane. Yeah. Dude, it's wrong. He looks That's not like fair. A, yeah, he looks like a like a like a Picasso. Like it just looks unsettling and unnerving watching <laughs> this like you know, like, you know, shack sized guy almost like on skates flying and he's like he's like an eastern european guy too so he kind of looks like a bond villain yeah uh, and probably uh, could be yeah dude and he was fighting people and it's just like i i would seriously like i would rather i would rather fight you know charles barkley than fight this guy you know like <laughs> I, give me anybody else than this guy like and he's flying around on skates and just uh, like it's just yeah a nightmare i love chuck he's <laughs> yeah, a one of a kind yeah, I love, I'll do. Charles Barkley is, is is the best. I read his biography. Trish. I read his biography when I was in high school, and that's how uh-huh. I like it was like before I had ever had alcohol, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I'm reading it, and he's talking about like how he only drinks Tito's vodka, and I was like, you know what? When I start drinking, I'm gonna drink Tito. And now that's the only it's the only choice for me because old old Chuck in his biography when I was like 17. So it's so yeah. weird. It's so weird. Do you, Do you ever hear the story about Charles Barkley and his DUI? Uh-uh. Oh, God, this is a good one. I believe this was just like at either he was still playing or he had just retired, but he got pulled over in Arizona, I want to say, and he was flying in like, a, you know, some residential neighborhood or something. Uh, they, they, they were like, yeah, you're, you're going way too fast. And he told the police officer, and this is on record, he was like, sorry, officer, I'm on my way to meet up uh, with a woman so she can give me oral sex. <laughs> oh, dude, good answer. Charles Barkley. Yeah, oh, and they, they, they probably like, you on your way, sir. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, that's why he was driving so fast. Dude, honesty is a, is a thing, though. Like, seriously, yeah. if you, Goes if a long you way. tell a cop, if you tell a cop exactly what's going on, literally, and I, uh, real quick, real quick start, I think I told you this, Justin. The f- was it my second year or third year playing football, I bought a 2014-15 Dodge Ram SRT10. It's like over 500 horsepower. It does like 180 miles an hour. Never opened it up. I'm on a turnpike. I'm doing, mm, I want to say about 160. Jesus Christ. 160, four-door cab. I'm flying. And I see this cop, right, from a mile away. I'm on him like this. I pass him. <laughs> I get about two miles down. He looks like this big in my rear view. I just immediately pull over because I see his lights go on. He, he he pulls over, he gets out, he's super, super upset, right? I can just see it. Comes, knocks on my knocks on my driver's side window. I got my hands on the wheel. I'm like, I know it's his hey, I'm can I can I roll yet yeah, roll it now. He's like, give me one good reason why I don't just take your ass to jail right now. Do you know how fast you were going? <laughs> and I literally go, in my head, the wheels turn, I was like, I, I got a choice here. I could lie. <laughs> I could, I could, I could just ball face lie, or I can just tell him and just something just said, just go tell him, tell him. I said I was doing 168 miles an hour, <laughs> and he looks at me, has his hat on, bursts into laughter, hat falls off, he's hanging off the side of the ride. He's like, oh my gosh, I, I did not think you were gonna tell me that, but that's about <laughs> how fast you were going, and he's like, is this one of those SRT tens? I was like. Yes, it is, sir. He's like, I know I'm not supposed to do this. Can do you mind opening up the hood so I can see the engine, oh, dude? I spent, I spent outside. I was, I got out of the car. We, we was laughing, hugging for about twenty minutes, thirty it's minutes. Every man's like, style, man. Listen, just keep it. I, I understand. I, I first time I opened it up, I was just feeling it. 
I had to go for it, and then just find out. And if uh, and yeah, we exchanged numbers, and uh, he was he's he, he's a Dodge guy, so that's it was one wow. of those things, man. And that's, that's just I, I feel like if I would have if I would have lied, I probably would yeah. have gone to jail. People always do that. It's like when you're do like you're doing over sixty in a sixty zone or something like that. How you know how fast you were going? Sixty two maybe. Like we always do we always do yeah. that kind of shit. It's like, yeah, I, I'm gonna try that next time. I'm gonna try that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it might might get you out of a might get you out of a ticket, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's that uh, you know uh, the truth. Truth matters, you know, and yeah. uh, it's uh, I'll tell you that's fun, man. So I guess uh, I guess we should talk about some music and haunted shores and and all that. So um, uh, obviously. Fine. I wanted to talk. I want to know what Hard Knocks is about. Oh, okay. Let's talk about Hard Knocks. Let's talk about Hard Knocks. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, but I, I actually, no, I'm not really. I'm only half kidding. No, no. I, let's I, talk I about football. Just... <laughs> Whatever you want to talk. Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, yeah, DC, that's, who are the teams this year that you can say? Who's, yeah, who's on Hard Knocks? Well, everybody knows Los Angeles Rams, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. That's uh, we're, we're actually going big this year. Two teams. Normally, we just do one. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was public. So, yeah. So that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's public. Everybody, yeah, it's. Damn. Well, show, show one is uh, Monday. Okay. Yeah, Monday, so. Pardon me for not being on the ball. I should, I should have known that. No, it's all good. It's all good. Tune in. Who's tune the, in. Have, we, have we established who's the quarterback for the Chargers yet? Do we know? Because I remember last yeah, I, time we talked about that with I, Matt, and we couldn't figure it out. Oh, yeah. When Halpern was on, we were I, trying to figure out who I, it was. I can't, I can't release those details prior to show one, so. Do they have a quarterback on the roster, though? Because I can't even think of who. Oh, they do have quarterbacks on the roster. That I can't tell you. Yeah, wink, wink twice if, if he never. <laughs> <laughs> and they should be they should be all right. They, they, they're they one of those teams that's always like, as a Steelers fan, I've always resented them because the, in the early 2000s when Ben's career was starting, like the Chargers always played them really hard and they kind of knocked them out of the playoffs once. And Phillip mm-hmm. Rivers always was a – fucking thorn in my side so i'm kind of glad to see him get out of there um but they're always like one of those teams that gets they're like the sexy pick like my thing my thing with daryl's always like these like mel kuyper specifically i'll call him out because he's an espn guy i want to audit him someday like really audit his picks for like when i really have the time to do it because i think he's just full of shit and i think a lot of this (laughs) stuff is just wild speculation because like you just don't know what's going to happen until these guys line up and start playing ball. Like you right. never know; anything can happen on any given Sunday. Right. And um, right. you know, it's wild speculation. Dude. But the Chargers—they're always like, "Oh, they're hot." But last year was the Bears. They were like, "Cause I fell into it. I was like, Mitch Trubisky's going to have a year, and then he kind of didn't." Well, yeah. I still believe is, in him. It's hard. Profiling is is pretty difficult, especially with young talent coming out, because yeah. you're only looking for the triangular features. You're only looking for the numbers. That's yeah. it. And, 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 and I just I put it like this, like, Mark, if I'm a scout and you came to the combine and you were just, you know, routinely running 40s and I'm just trained to just time when I see somebody run. It's just OK. Boom. If you just ran like a, a four two and I was just timing, I'm going to have my assistant come down to the field regardless of what you play and what you do and say, hey, listen, you, you think you might want to come run a couple routes real quick. Like, it's just that's just, just how it is. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, if you could run a 4-2 and play guitar the way you do, you'd be a fucking double oh threat. How cool I would, would that be? <laughs> I, would be, I would be so stuck up and full of myself that I would not be talking to you guys or anybody. <laughs> you'd just general. be running in, in straight lines. That's all you'd be doing. Oh, man, I would have a shrine of myself, like, on my wall. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I bet you could. You would just be challenging people to foot race every day, man. That's what I would do. Like, oh, yeah, you I'm think not. you're fast? 
Why not? You, if you can run that fast, I just, just run for no reason. I'd be Forrest Gump all the time. All the time. Yeah, Daryl gets to go to the Combine every year, and he, we always have a good Combine podcast, and we talk about uh, – we make our own wild speculations. And Daniel Jones better fucking come through this year. That's all I'm saying because uh, I, I got uh, I got a rip, I got the shit riding on it. Mark, you, would, you wouldn't believe this, but the Combine is such an emasculating time for me because I meet like 17, 16-year-old <laughs> men, young men who are like damn near seven feet tall and they're 380 pounds and they run like four sixes like every time. It's just like, what? Can I ask you something? I, this is something that, like, I'm always curious about. Is like, and you're very close to the sport, obviously. Still, um, what percentage would you say of these kids with just this outlandish physical ability, like these freaks? You know what I mean? Like, um, evolve into competent everyday NFL players. It is, is it a small percentage or can you look at somebody who's just built like a freaking aircraft carrier like and be like, okay, well, they're going to be a good NFL player. Like, how does that translate? What percentage translates to actually being a good player? So we, we always like, you know, from, from guys I used to play with and, you know, now being in NFL films and having to kind of profile for XO shows and stuff like that, kind of using my skill set and just knowledge regarding the sport, we always say, you have the 1% of the populace of athletic, young, just talented young men that actually make it in the and, and they're NFL players, right? That 1%, right? But then you only have another 1% of that 1% that have longevity in the league. So the Dwight, the Dwight Freeze, um, the Aaron Donalds, um, 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 the JJ Ty Gurley's, the JJ Watts, those guys, right? The ones that like, you know, they have like double digit. Khalil Mack, like Khalil Max, you know what I'm saying? Like, He's a freak, like man. Th- those are the one percent of the one percent, and everybody else. I I hate to say this, everybody else is just trying to maintain keeping their job. That's it. That's Not it. The, dude, this is such a fascinating. Like hearing you talk about that, like I just. Like it's striking me parallels between like bedroom guitarists and guys who yes. can sit there all day on Instagram and just play insane stuff, like stuff that I could watch and just be like, how the fuck are you doing what you're doing? <laughs> you know, you can equate that to like, you know, like a, one of these freaks who shows up at, at, at the combine and just outperforms everybody. But then like, okay, well, can this person get on stage in front of thousands of people? Can they go on tour? Can they be part of the lifestyle? Can they do the longevity? Be, yeah. Can they be like a serviceable, reliable, trustworthy, solid? Like, can they listen? Can they learn? Can they be receptive? Like, it's just this ball of complexity. But all you see, all the spectators see is like when I watch an NFL game, I don't see that stuff. I see Aaron Donald just ripping a dude's head off. Oh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't see his ability to listen, to learn, to learn, to learn on the fly. Like there's just there's so many parallels. It's so funny. Between see, they, they don't they don't see the Aaron Donald that is like comes to the facility at two three o'clock in the morning, right? And then they have their first like meeting at like nine or ten a.m. But he's been there for six hours already, like yes. studying every permutation of an offensive lineman's movement all across the board. Not a guy that's just saying, "Hey, listen, I'm just gonna play. I'm just gonna I'm just going to get gain whatever knowledge I can." on my, the guy I'm going to line up across most, this is a guy who's saying, okay, I'm going to be in a wide three. I'm going to be in a no shape. But you know what? 
my defensive coordinator might want might might want to put me at defensive end, and I'm a defensive tackle, right? And you're like, how does that even work? And he still gets maybe five or six, seven sacks a year at defensive end playing out of position. But that's not that's not just by chance. That's that's the craft that we were talking about earlier. That's putting in the work. That's having that focus that we're talking about. That it you sacrifice and you lose up front, but you gain later. You know what I mean? So. That's the difference between the the one percent of the one percent. Like I had the opportunity to play alongside. We had Tank Johnson on the pot. I yeah. played uh, played alongside Tommy uh, Tommy Harris. Right. <clears throat> These are guys that when you watch and you see them and you see them play, it's like listen. It's not about. It's not even what they're doing. And 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 you can and I can equate this to what you do as far as as as, as far as as a musician. It's 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 not necessarily what you're doing is what and and when we say this in in the game is what people can't stop you from doing like there's no stopping your talent there's no stopping your ability there's no stopping your uh your 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 acumen or um that level of knowledge that continually you're you you, what are you 37 36 i am 51 years old (laughs) (laughs) so 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 here's the thing where you are right now in your musical career like i i've you're, you're blessed. You're blessed. And I know, and I, stop me if, if, if I'm putting words in your mouth or in your mouth here. Ten years from now, because of the type of artist and the, because, because of how you sacrifice, sacrifice and how, how much you put into your craft, you're, gonna, you're, you're probably thinking now, like, I want to be playing my best music in ten years. You know what I mean? Not like, hey... This is I've arrived and this is it right here. This is my ceiling. No, you want to be playing your your best music no matter what your age is. So yeah. it's it's constant evolution. It never stops. Yep. It never yeah. stops. And that's the difference. Yeah. The, the more I'm like I'm learning about this stuff, and it's funny to hear you talk about this because like you know one of my favorite things like pieces of media ever. Uh, you know I love like the Hard Knocks uh, series and I love anything like the NFL films related, but like the 30 for 30. Yeah. ESPN stuff is great, and I'm currently like kind of obsessed with the Last Dance. Oh, that's great! Right now, yeah, it's just like you can't you can't fuck with the Last Dance. That's uh, awesome. But like watching it, it's 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 such a funny thing because obviously you know MJ and these athletes you're you're mentioning like have this you know otherworldly physical gift, right? But you you almost like the more you read into what goes into their success the more you realize that the reason they are where they are is not, is actually has very little to do with their God-given skill. It's it's the things they can control, yes. like the work they put into it, that's what makes them great. And, and, and the gifts, sure, it allows them to jump, you know, several inches higher, to, to you know, to, to have a larger wingspan, to have this unreal strength. But there's a lot of guys who don't make that work because they don't, have the discipline that they're not able to harness that and ultimately they control it and i find that so fascinating because that's your will like everyone has that and of course we're all in different places in terms of our resources and like backgrounds and financial uh uh, um uh, origins and things like that but it's like we all have the will to do something it's just a matter of how bad do we want it how hard are we willing to work to get it uh, and at what, what cost will you stop? Like, at, at what what cost are you willing to be great at what you do? It's fascinating stuff, man. It really is. Absolutely, absolutely. It really is. And and you know, kind of to tag on to that, it's like 
the one of the things about football that blew my mind when I when I Daryl kind of explained it to me was like similarly to like how when someone who doesn't play music or even even if it's they don't play guitar like we were, we were listening to Haunted Shores earlier and my fiance was like man I don't even know how anybody could move their feet that fast she was talking about the the drumming on there and um, I said well you know there's like you know, I'm like, well, you know, there's a double stroke and, you know, but like there's all this, like on the surface level, actually what I said first was, well, I think that, that this is programmed. It's probably GGD, but then somebody could play it if they did, you know, play double strokes. Like there's, there's ways to do it. You just don't know how they're doing it, but it is possible. And it's like the same thing with the NFL where it's like you and I just see Aaron Donald just like, ha, you know, but really he's got to move. Like they, they have like, they have moves the same way you were like you know what i'm going to alternate pick this part so i can get this speed or i'm going to sweep pick this part and people just hear the finished product we see the sack and then we're like wow that was cool man yeah but then like really like he could tell you oh so what i did was i stepped to his inside and then pushed him out and then thrusted his hand up and it's like they know they can recount that and the reason i say that is because and and what i've learned from daryl and all these other guys like haj shabazz we've had on the former Steeler cornerback is that the ones that get that that stay there is like you've got to have it up here, and yeah. if you have both, that's when you get. It's like DK Metcalf when you said like these guys that are physical freaks. Like Daryl played with his dad, and then when we saw him last year at the combine, we were like, "Is that a fucking linebacker? Like this guy's like scary. How big he is? Yeah. It's like it was a, it was like a meme, you know, how big he was." I don't know how he went so late in the damn draft either. Like, and then, I don't know. but then even still, people were like, "Oh, he's probably not going to be that." Good. And then he turned out to be a freak. But yeah. look at Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward, not a f- freak athlete at all. But he yeah. had an amazing career, and he was most, like you said, he was consistent. He had the discipline. And it's the same thing that we talk about, like, with a lot of – we had Travis Levere on from uh, from Entheos. And he's yeah. a guy who's gone in – he's a fucking, first of all, a killer player, um, just awesome guy. But he's a guy who's gone into a bunch of different bands. And, like like, kind of like you, how you came into Periphery, it's like – yeah, there's a like no offense to you, man. Obviously, you know this because you go on YouTube. There's a thousand kids that that can play that learn your parts and know those parts. You know they may not be able to write them, but like after you put it out, like six hours later, there's a really nice cover video of some 14 year old doing it. And it's yeah, like right. the difference is, like you said, do they have the discipline? Can they do it over long, you know, a long period of time? And uh, that's the thing I stress to like young musicians who listen to this podcast so much is that. Like, yeah, these things are important. The shredding is important. The videos, the social media. But, like, you've got to prepare yourself to, like, one, for the emotional ups and downs. But, like, yeah. living in a tour bus, you know, living off of fucking Sunoco gas station food. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there's yeah. there's so much extra shit that you have to do just to, just to get into the same way with the NFL guys. Like, I had some guys over that, like, Haj was over and his, his buddy Ness who played, they played college ball at Westchester together and... I'm like, oh, let's grill some hot dogs. And I'm like, I think about how many hot dogs I can eat. I don't think about, like, how many hot dogs like a guy like Daryl can eat, you know? And it just blows my mind. And then you think about that on top of, like, imagine if all the guitar playing you you did, you also had to, like, eat to sustain that. You know? It's like, it's just, yeah. it's just yeah. so crazy. It's so crazy, yeah. man. That's awesome, man. We, we always say, like, like touring and playing in a band professionally, it's like it's 23 hours of waiting. <laughs> it really is. Traveling to wait. Yeah, and that's why I say it's like there's so many classic stories of uh, of musicians just getting out of it because 
because this lifestyle is so freakish and unnatural for you, for your loved ones, especially, you know, if you're, if you're married, I mean, my wife's a freaking warrior, uh, to, to have, to have dealt with this lifestyle for, you know, I've been doing this now for a decade. Um, and you know, she's got this insane level of patience with it, but it's, it's a challenge, man. It's, it's, it's not, it's not for everybody. And that's, that's such a big thing too, is, you know, you talk about these like YouTube bedroom guitarists and that's, that's its own world. And, you know, people who do that, not a knock against them, but, uh, it's a very different thing to actually be, you know, be able to handle those kinds of stressors. Um, you know, much like I can imagine the, in the, the sports world, like we only see the game. We don't see, you know, dudes coming in early on in the morning, uh, the regiment, the training, uh, the, the, the practice sessions. We don't see any of that. It's like, with, with music and with, with this side of things, it's like the, the dedication, the commitment has to be overwhelming. Mm. You know, it has to be like, especially in the early days, like starting out in a band. And I tell this to kids all the time who are coming up. It's like, you got to be cool with driving three hours to go play for, yeah, for, for 20 hours. minutes. I've done that. Yeah. You know how many times I've done yeah. that? Yeah. Three yeah. hours for 20 minutes for no money. Yeah. No money. You got to be cool with it because... You you gotta love the act of it, right? Yeah. Like you're not, you're not doing it necessarily to get rich. If you're doing it to get rich, you're foolish because you're not going to get rich doing metal uh, <laughs> or, or most likely rock music or even music. You can't count on making money for music anymore, no. and that, and that's a real thing. You can't. Uh, it's like you got to do something else. Too. You have to have some other plan. You have to have other skills, yep. and most importantly, you have to be okay with most likely not getting any recognition, fame, or money from music. But I'll tell you that that realization and that acceptance of that brutal fact gives you this resilience. Mm. It's kind of like, fuck it, resilience. You know, yeah. it's like, you know what? It's not going to work, but uh, I'm going to keep doing it anyways because I love this. Like, I love it, and I can't do anything else um, as well as I do this. I don't give a shit as much as, uh, about anything else as I do this. So I'm just going to work my ass off, and if I don't make it, fine, at least I have something that I can put my time into and that can reduce stress and all other aspects of my life. Like, I love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And it's just, that's, that's my rule. So even if, you know, periphery were to not exist one day or, or if I were ever, you know, taken out of the industry or something that would prevent me, I broke both my hands and my legs or something, I couldn't do this, I would still be in the world. I would find, I would claw my way to a position in this industry because I live and breathe it. It's, 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 it's in my heart. You know what I mean? I mean, that's never going to change. Well, it has to be true for everybody. If you care about a craft, you got to have that level of dedication. Absolutely. And I can certainly relate to that because when I kind of made the decision to, to not pursue, uh, the next 10 years of touring, um, Mm -hmm. at least at this point, you know, and, and say, you know what, I got to find a way that I can be involved and do something meaningful. And that's, where this podcast came in because I was like, you know, maybe I can be because I've been just blessed to, to meet all these people on the way. And like, you're a great example of that where it's like, you know, I, I, by meeting, you know, by, by being friends with the, between the barrier to me people and then them being on the podcast, then you see it. And then I reach out. It's like, th- that's the same thing with, you know, my relationship with Matt Halpern and, you know, as a student and then as a friend and all these things. And like things develop over time. And I started looking at that thinking like, well, you know, maybe my place could be this kind of cog at the center of this wheel to, to, to have these kind of conversations about life, you know, and the world yeah. and just everything going on where it's like, 
we're, we're we're not talking about music, but we are, you know, and and it it it's been uh, like cathartic for me to be able to still be involved, but in a different way of it. Like now, I'm channeling kind of y- your message and people like Mike Mangini or you know yeah. Kenny Arnold, any of these amazing talents that we have on the show, and and get them, you know, somebody to hear them out, you know, in a different way. And not that other people don't, but it's just uh, it's cool, you know. Life throws you so many curveballs, man. It's like, mm-hmm. and not to bring it back to sports, I feel like sports is such a natural comparison to music in this scenario, especially because, you know, we have an athlete and we have a couple musicians on this podcast right now. But, like, you know, how many stories are there of, of dudes who have all this potential and then they get hurt and their careers end? Or musicians who burn out and they got to figure out something else to do with their life? Like, being having your dream taken away out of your hands is not a, a death sentence to, to, to dreaming in general. You know, like so, some things feel like the worst possible thing in life. Like some things just feel like, oh, you know what? This is the end. Like I'm never going to be anything again. Like this sucks. This is the fucking worst thing that could ever happen. But life goes on and you can ch- turn those opportunities into yeah. other things. There are so many crossroads in my life where I told myself before the crossroads, if I don't get this, life's done. Uh, you know, like, there's no point in going on if I can't make this happen. And then it doesn't happen. And then comes a, a, a period of acceptance, coming to grips with it. Mm-hmm. And then there's a natural desire to parlay it into something that could be better. That could be better. It's like, yeah, putting all your eggs in one basket may feel cathartic it may feel like the natural thing to do but there's always a recovery there's always a recovery yeah yeah well you know when i was when i was sick uh with my heart problem my my mom used to always say to me you know like your pendulum can only swing so far in the bad direction you know and for me that was like you're bedridden you're an end-stage heart failure and you're gonna die but you're not dead yet but you're gonna unless we figure something out and it was like well can't get any worse, you know? And then it's like, well, what can we do today? What can we do today? Every day, every day. Till then it's like, well, we found this. Hey, this is an interesting article at the Mayo Clinic. Let's look into this. And it's like, hey, you might be a candidate for this surgery. And then next thing you know, here I am. You know, so like you're saying, like whether it's your personal life or a band, you know, like members coming and going. I know as a young musician, that was always hard for me at first because it feels like you're breaking up with somebody. Like it's like... I don't know if it felt like that for you at times, but like you, you get, it's just weird. You know, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, if you have a, we, we talk a lot about intention and like kind of talking things out into the world and, and having clear goals because when you say it and you really start to believe it, you will swing back in that direction that you want to swing into, but you've got to start by like putting your mind to it and then walking towards it. You can't just like, be walking and have no idea where you're going. Can I ask you guys something? Do, do, Please. Do you either of you uh, meditate, ever tried meditating before? Yeah. 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 You I haven't, I haven't tried it before. Oh, dude. I, so I, I was brought up in a military family uh, and kind of like indirectly taught that those things were kind of lame. You know, like no one ever sat me down and told me like, hey, like meditation is stupid. Don't do it. But I just never thought of doing it because it, to me it was like something you did at the top of a mountain in India or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I started doing it and like, you, you know, you hit me up uh, a couple of days ago, Justin, you were like, 
you know, if there's any sort of like, you know, teaching the everyman. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like that sort of piece of wisdom that I can bring from my own personal life and, 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 and bring it to the table here. And it's changed my life, man, over the past year is, uh, is meditating and it helps me tune into those kinds of principles you were just discussing, Justin. And, and you know, at the beginning of this conversation, we talked about taking a step back mm-hmm. and getting a, getting out of your own head, which for me sometimes can be my own worst enemy. If I'm too far in something, I can't appreciate it. I can't take everything in for what it's worth. Is I've found, and maybe maybe everyone has their own version of this, but removing all the stimulus, the visual stimulus, taking that away, closing your eyes, either having really soft, relaxing music or having narration in your ears or pure silence. Go outside. And like I've done it before when there's traffic outside, I'll just put on noise canceling headphones and like put on like white noise or like really relaxing music. I'll sit there and I'll just close my eyes for 10 minutes and, and take these really, really deep breaths. Uh, let all the air out of my gut, take it all back in, breathe until it stops, until I can't breathe in anymore, and just keep going. Uh, And I won't count the breaths or anything like that, but I'll just make sure I get a nice rhythm. And the point is just to remove any possible stimulus. Um, Because at every point in the day, you're looking at a screen, you're looking at someone else, you're thinking about what they're thinking, you're talking, you're listening to them talk. Uh, you're involved in some interaction. You're like, let's say you're not even doing anything. That means you're sitting there. You're thinking about what you're going to do next. Like, there's always something. There's always wheels turning in your head at every point in the day. And the point behind this is just to stop that from happening. Stop this momentum. Try and take this like momentum of life and just let it smash against the wall and and hit reset. It's like clearing your cache. Like somebody said one time, it's like clearing your history folder, or your cache on your browser. It's like empty it all out and some really crazy um things tend to happen mentally after i pull myself out uh and and it's just it it feels like a like like i just got out of like a hot spring or something like that sometimes especially when it's been a tough day um it's it's not as inaccessible as a lot of people think it is and it's not as sort of like patchouli granola hippie as yeah. it sounds either you know it's it's patchouli. it's something that yeah it's something that anybody can do at any point as long as you're willing to sit there and close your eyes and not speak uh for for 10 minutes close your eyes and try to get into a quiet place and just hit reset on everything everything you perceive um and it's just done wonders for me man it's it's changed it's changed everything and i do it once maybe twice a day uh uh, in the morning and evening, uh, something else I, I've been doing for the past year, and it's really helped with the coronavirus. Is uh, this is gonna sound really lame, uh, but is uh, I make uh, uh, macaroni. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I put on some I, Enya and I make uh, snowflakes yeah. out of paper. Yeah, <laughs> I make a macaroni necklace. No, um, I, uh, I journal. I journal in the morning and the evening. Um, just to get all my thoughts out on paper as soon as I wake up and I journal right before bed. And a lot of it is just gratitude. Uh, I'll just wake up and I'll write what I'm thankful for. You know, I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful for a higher power. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for the health of my parents. It's just the list goes on and on. When I get to bed, I write 
what I've done. As mundane as it sounds, I write things that I've done, and then I write three things that I'm grateful for all over again. Uh, and uh, it's those three things, man, the meditation and the journaling in the morning and the evening. And by journaling, I just mean three sentences, nothing crazy, nothing like, you know, Babysitter's Club or anything like that. It do you use a physical be, journal or do you like use your phone? No, man, I, you got to write everything out. Don't use your thumbs because we do so much of that. Got to use a pencil or a pen. I think there's a real paper. connection with that. Oh, dude. It, so the human mind is pretty stupid. Like our, our brains are tricked into things. Like if, for instance, I was taught this by a yoga instructor. Like if you smile, if you force yourself to smile, you instantly start to feel like blatant happiness. If you've just like next time you're pissed off or you're just feeling like kind of uh, stationary or neutral about something, like try and force the corners of your mouth up. And like, <laughs> you, you will start to feel something and it could be like silly. You could, you could be feeling like, I can't believe I'm doing this dumb shit, but you're feeling happy and, and, and the brain gets tricked by that. And you can trick your brain the same when you start to write things because you're investing more effort into the action of notating it. If you're just typing on your phone, it's like you're doing a Google search or yeah. a, a Twitter search or Instagram search. Your brain's you're, not yeah, exactly. capturing it. Yeah. It's in fast food mode. Yep. Um, but if you write it down, it, it, it unlocks a different part of your brain, uh, and it, it, should, it just takes you to a deeper place, I feel like. And it, it's, I've made a really strict practice out of it. I think I've missed maybe four or five days total in the past nine months. Um, but I've been very religious about it, and uh, it's worked wonders for me. So I, I would encourage – I'd actually be curious to hear from either of you guys if you try out the whole meditation thing. Uh, you've done it before, Justin? Yeah, so I got into yoga when uh, – so – as part of my rehab from like cardiac rehab, I did yoga was like the first thing I started to do to get like into a gym again. And, um, just cause like you could do like the, the gentle yoga, like in a chair or whatever. And then I just kind of progressed. Um, and there was like a little bit of that as part of, as part of that, you know, experience. And, um, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm definitely going to do it because, you know, when, when Matt Halpern was on a couple weeks ago, he told us about the ice barrel and, and I, I thought that was really interesting. And that he was talking about that kind of stuff too, meditating and centering yourself. And so I started doing the cold showers cause I was like, you know, what, I'm going to get a fucking ice barrel. Cause I'm that kind of guy where like I get a, a slight interest in something. And next thing you know, I've got the whole thing like yeah. right there, yeah. you know, it's, it's a problem. Um, right. but yeah, I, hearing how you explained it like that, um, it feels so easy to do. Um, and I just personally struggle with, you know, just balancing work and, you know, personal life and, you know, we just got engaged. So we're starting to plan a wedding and, and then, you know, shit like the power goes out for three days or whatever. Like you, you, you get all these things that pile up and you just need to take a break. And I'm, I'm absolutely going to try that and I'll let you know, you know, how, how it goes for me. And I know Daryl's in the same boat too right now. Hey, Mark, I got a question though. Like, how did you, like, did you just start it or did we're just like, I, I know that I'm over, like, not overwhelmed or anything? Because I've always thought about like meditation in terms of like, I don't need to do that. I just need to kind of get focused and just yeah. kind of reset my own. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, like, was, were you just kind of like, I'm just going to give it a whirl because so many people said something about it? Or was there like something that just got you there to where you just, you just, Bought in. Like, how did how did it? I I started to uh, to get really overwhelmed um, by life, quite frankly, um, and I, I knew I needed something. And you know, I, I started seeing a therapist, and the therapist recommended a bunch of things to me. It's like I uh, I I decided to cut out certain things from my life. Like I I haven't drank. 
uh, or or done any you know marijuana or anything like that in uh, in nine months. Actually, nine months today, uh, oddly enough. And uh, I just I wanted to find a way to uh, to cope with life on life's terms. I didn't want to have to distract myself from the negative parts of life with you know with 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 a beer, with music, or with sports or video games, like. I wanted to stop distracting myself from facing the difficult parts of life. And I wanted to just be okay with things in life that weren't ideal. And uh, this is all stuff from my therapist, you know, stuff that's it's not, it's not deflecting negative energy. It's accepting it, coming to terms with it, and, 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 and living with it, being one with it. And um, yeah, my, my therapist was just like, give it a shot. It, some people really like it, some people hate it, but if you never tried it, um, it's not one of those things that you need to be excelling at. Like, if you do try it, there, it's like a lot of people beat themselves up because they're like, oh, man, you know, I tried it twice. And the whole time I was just thinking about my grocery list for later today, you know, or I was thinking about, like, some stressful thing that I got coming up next week. But that's fine. I think a lot of people are put off by trying it because the idea of it seems so intimidating and uh, and, and daunting, like, Oh, I gotta be this Zen Buddha master to be great. Like I gotta put my hands like this, and like do it. No, it's just about removing the stimulus, getting peace and quiet. And if your mind is flying, and if your mind is racing, that's okay. That the most important part is you're removing the stimulus. And uh, it's actually not long after I started, I did a sensory deprivation tank. Ooh, you know how was that? I've I've always wanted to try one of those. It was okay. I'll I'll just be very honest with you guys. The first two minutes, I wanted to get out. Um, like uncomfortable. Oh my God. Yes. Um, and it's an hour long. So, you know, that's, it's not a walk in the park. If you look at it and, and you, if you're freaking out and you think, Oh man, I got to be in here for 58 more minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, the lights go off, everything's quiet. You don't feel anything. You don't see anything and you don't hear anything because the water is the same temperature as your blood. So you feel like you are floating. You don't feel like there's even gravity. Like it feels like you're in space. Like you don't feel the water. You don't feel the surface underneath the water. You don't feel. You don't feel shit. Um, so that part was super disarming. And they say theoretically it's the first time you felt completely devoid of sensations since you were in the womb. So it'd be hard to, to come feel to grips with, again, I guess. Dude, it brings you back to this primal place. That like it's really hard to describe in words, but I can tell you that I freaked out the first two minutes. And once I was like, okay, I paid money for this, I'm not gonna bitch out right now. Like <laughs> same thing you say when you take mushrooms, dude. Because <laughs> 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 I've said that to people. That's like it's literally the same. You know what I right? You know what I'm talking about? Allegedly, you know what? I, yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> um, but dude, I mean, maybe unlike mushrooms, I'm really glad that I stuck with it. Um, yes. and, and decided to give it the full hour because like it, you just walk out of there in a completely different place. I mean, not feeling anything for a whole hour, it just leaves you in this place where you just, it feels like you've been kind of reborn in a way. And I'm obsessed with it. I kind of want to have a little setup in my house, but I just don't have the space here. But, uh, but yeah, man, I, I really encourage the sensory deprivation tank. It's, it's pretty freaking surreal. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to check one of those out. I know there's a couple in Philly, um, so I wonder if they're open in these uh, challenging times. But that's really, th that's really cool. You start seeing stars, dude. Like I, I started seeing like shapes and like fractal 
um, designs like in, in, in front of me, um, and you're just with your thoughts, like you're thinking about childhood memories, you're thinking about hmm. random people in your life who you forgot about. You're, you, it's really quite beautiful stuff. Um, I, I would say maybe don't go if you have just experienced trauma. That's the one thing that I would say is like a lot of people, they want to rush into these things after they've just gotten through a death in the family, a divorce, whatever, some kind of like upheaval in their life. I would say maybe wait till that's cooled down. Even out there for listeners or, or viewers, um, go when you know you are in a not, not such a tumultuous headspace because that could throw things off. I, I assume that's kind of like mushrooms too. Don't do Alleg- mushrooms. Allegedly, yeah, that's what I would yeah, assume is too. Yeah, it's funny. The more you talk about it, it sounds like they're allegedly very similar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's that's awesome, man. And you know what's actually funny? This is a perfect segue because I do want to get one music question in here before before we uh, wind down. Um, I'm sorry we talked about music, by the way. This is like no, sorry. this is great. I, I hope you're you know. This I'm, is awesome. I'm having this is this is awesome, man. One of my favorite. I love this. Good. I love this. Good. Well, we're gonna have to have you back on so we can get into even more stuff, man. But um, we'll, about, we'll do we'll do follow up part two where it's just music. Oh yeah, it'll be yeah. just music. Well, that'll be the intention, but then we'll be we'll be solving all the world's problems the first ninety minutes. But yeah, uh, then we'll get the aliens no. by minute. Oh yeah, I went off on it. I went off on that last week. We we we, we touch on that today. Go ahead, Daryl. I'm gonna teach Mark. Uh, I'm gonna te- teach Mark uh, some hand moves next next podcast. Yeah, that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. get a whole a whole hand move pod. But uh, no, so the gonna... the first yeah. time I actually heard about um, deprivation tanks, believe it or not, and it's so funny, like it comes full circle. Is before you were in periphery, but I went and saw uh, in Westchester, Pennsylvania, on like a Tuesday night. It was uh, Devin Townsend Project. Tesseract and Periphery, but uh, wow. there was something weird going on, and, and like uh, Spencer was sick, so it was like just instrumental, and it was one of the coolest shows ever because it was just like, and it was so small. I don't know if you've ever played. There was the Note, uh, Bam Margera's old old bar. Um, you know what I'm talking about? And uh, it's it was powerful because it was just it was so tight, and like you, they, everybody was still using real amps at that point, um, so it was powerful. But anyway. I'm a huge Devin Townsend fan, and uh, he is one of my biggest creative inspirations. Just and, and I admire his like style and approach to life and to his honesty. And especially when you talk about guys that have to like take a break, like he took a break and then came back and was like, has just been basically prolific since he's been back uh, in the public music world. But anyway, it was I, I was standing outside and Devin Townsend had come by and I was like being a kid and being a fan and being. And he was like, oh, yeah, I was just doing this deprivation tank over here in Westchester. And it's funny that the first time, you know, I heard about that was then. So the, the reason I bring up him is, you know, he was on one of your the, – the, on the, the latest Haunted Shores uh, record. And how crazy is it to, like, write a song and then send it to Devin Townsend and then get that back and be like mm. – like he, like, he is so – he should be the biggest musical act in the world, in my opinion. Like, I don't know why he's not. Like, it, it blows my mind because, like, he's got something for everyone. And, um, like, when you said put on some peaceful music, like, I'm like, oh, I can listen to Ghost. You know, like, he's got that, you know? Or he's got 14-minute death metal songs. But, so, Devin Townsend, what's, what's that like working with him to, to write a song? So, dude, I, you're preaching to the choir with your Devin love because uh, I – worship Devin. Like I discovered the Ocean Machine record in 1999 and Strapping in Lad City yeah. in 1999. 
And uh, I was obsessed with it. Like, I just went through this phase where all I listened to was like Ocean Machine, Infinity, Teria, uh, Strapion Lad, um, all those records, man. Like, those things are my musical Bibles. Yeah. Um, and so I, I revered Devin. I still do. Um, he's almost yeah. like he's, it's like when I see him walking around at NAM, I'm like, wow. And I don't get like starstruck by many people just because I've been so fortunate to meet so many of my idols and get to know them and in some cases be yeah. friends with them. Um, but when I see him anywhere, I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, it's just like, I revere him. Like you're saying it's, he's yeah. something else. Yeah. Um, we, we were fortunate enough to just get put on, on festivals with him, like around 20, 2013, I want to say. Um, and we played some festivals, uh, with Devin and, uh, you know, I had to, I had to come up to him and say, Hey dude, like you have shaped everything uh music for me like just you change the way i look at music if it weren't for you there would be no me basically and uh he's always been very gracious uh with my whole sort of like you know my fanboy uh status with him but uh he, he became a friend because he took us out on tour in europe in 2014 i want to say and we did a month in europe with him and uh and he became a friend which which was crazy to me at the time i was like i just it's I can't be getting eye messages on my phone from Devin Townsend. Like, what the fuck's that? <laughs> uh, I know. It's, it's I know what you mean. Well, it's weird. It's so weird. It's fucked up. I don't even like it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I was such a yeah. I was so so taken aback and and he he's, he turned out to be one of the, like the the loveliest uh, most you know modest um, people I've ever met in the business and obviously brilliant, um, but just just very friendly towards me and the guys and. Um, you know, that friendship's lasted since then. And this was like maybe a year afterwards, me and Misha were recording the Haunted Shores uh, album. And uh, on that tour, he was like, yeah, man, I hear you got this like fast, like death, death black metal project. And I was like, yeah, dude, it's like all modeled after Strapping Young Lad. Um, and then he was like, send it to me sometime. And after the tour, like I got home and like two weeks later, I sent him a song. I was like, hey man, uh, here's a song called uh, called Norway Jose that, that we finished and uh, I figured you want to check it out so here you go and he's usually very quick to respond on email or text and I didn't get a response from him all day and I was like what the fuck like he hates it <laughs> yeah I was like he must really hate this like because he was I offended him <laughs> yeah yeah he, it must suck so bad that he like chose to block me from everything uh, that's awesome um, and then several hours later, like I, this was in the morning, and then around the afternoon time, I get this um, email back that was no text. It was just a file. And I click on the phone, I'm like, what the fuck? It's an MP3. And I open it, and he's tracked vocals for it. Uh, <laughs> that would freak and, me and out, it, man. Yeah, it freaked me out. Like the, the whole song had his vocals pretty much what you heard, like had layers, had choir parts that he tracked all to himself that morning at his place and uh, I, I heard it and I was just like like my jaw hit the floor I was like what the fuck I wrote a Mac I was like what is this like why did you do this he was like I don't know I felt like it's a killer song um, just <laughs> I felt fun. like it yeah god uh, uh, yeah. that's amazing and, and, I, and I sent it to Misha I was like dude what do you think of this and he was like are you kidding me what do I think of this, this is <laughs> how dare you ask me <laughs> yeah um, and I hit Devin up and I was like dude thank you so much for doing this. This is incredible. Like you've just made my year. Um, do you want to do more songs? 
And at that point, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm busy. I think he was working on one of the big metal records. I think it was Deconstruction or something like that at the time. I forget what, what, what record it was, but he was like, I'm working on other stuff. I can try. And the plan was for him to do more songs. But I, I, I just don't think he had enough time to get to the other songs. So what ended up what ha happening was like, me and Misha was like, let's put the record out, instrumental, and we'll release Devin's version of Norway Jose, which we ended up calling Feed the Wolf as a bonus track. And uh, this one's just for us. We threw Devin a little bit of money, even though he, he insisted he didn't want to be paid. He retracted some parts, some, not all of it. Like most of what you hear on that song is the original demo parts. He probably did it in his sweatpants. I listened uh, to that like six times today. I'm not even kidding. No, because I was just like, I made it through the album a bunch of times. And then I, I saw on Spotify that the, the extra track. And I was like, what the fuck? And I'm like, is this... And I'm like, ah, yep, it is. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I just, it, it just, yeah, I can't imagine. Not a lot of people. That's so cool. I, I think it flies under a lot of people's radar uh, that that record because we didn't really put a lot of promotion into it. We kind of just dropped yeah. it. The Hot Shores. It's record awesome, and, man. I love it. I love it. And uh, it's it's cool because you can hear, like, when you listen to that. Um, don't take this the wrong way, but Periphery is so. There's so much going on in any given Periphery song, and they're so like. I think that's so connected to Misha for obvious reasons, you know, and like his style and a lot of what you hear first is kind of like him, at least for me, I, like I think of what I'm hearing is Misha. But when I listen to Haunted Shores and I hear more of you, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I hear that over here. That's that's part of the sound. It's kind of like uh, Dusty Waring. Yeah. Great friend of mine. He's going to be in he's going to be in my wedding. He's, I've got his, the reason he, he's the reason why I met my fiance, but, um, mm. he's a guy when I started to hear him just like when I was just hanging out with him and he was playing and I heard in guitar, they talk about, it's all really in your hands. Like, yeah, there's the gear, there's the aspects, all that stuff. Yeah. It's all sick. It's rad. But like, it's all, in, there's a lot of it in your hands. And I really heard Dusty's hands and just him playing. I was like, ah, now I can hear how the mm. whole fucking house is built. You know what I mean? And, yeah, um, like, it's, like, a really inside, nuanced perspective of, like, a band. But um, that's kind of what I what I heard when I listened to Haunted Shores. And that's why I, I, I don't know, man, it just it, it spoke to me. Especially, uh, you know, that song with Dev there, Feed the Wolf. That's, I, I, can't, I, I can't imagine. You know, it's funny, like, um, I'm not trying to have a little suck fest here on Devin Townsend. But me and my, me and my boys, we have a, shout out to Momo. We have a, a joke, running joke for years where just to... Because we, we've seen Devin Townsend, like, I've seen him, like, 20-something times. Just love the guy. And uh, we would just abbreviate it, like, HHDT, like, His Holiness Devin Townsend. That's what we refer to him as because he's just, like, we think he's just, like, the fucking man. And, like, his voice is just so, like, I don't know that there's anybody else walking the planet right now that, like, can do these amazing seven-string sweep patterns while singing, like, operatically in key like it's so talented and like it's hard to even wrap my head around it yeah he's nuts man he's nuts i yeah respect for days to devin townsend but yeah, he's he, back to what you're saying about hearing the voices in periphery like here i think you'd be surprised like listening to periphery four and periphery three like our voices are starting to sound very similar our writing styles like people will think you're like oh that's a jake riff no that's actually me yeah or people it's a mark riff no that's misha it's like 
this it's all become very very collaborative and like sort of uh, nebulous now i love that I well love it. that first track i i didn't that's a perfect example when i was getting ready to, for the matt halpern interview um that video you did for i think it's for prs or maybe it was minel or something um yeah. And you have that solo at the end. And I was like, I thought that was Misha. Just because, yeah. like, your the, the style of the solo there was so periphery. And it was, yeah. it was different from what you do in Haunted Shores and what I've heard you do other places. That I was like, oh, how about that? You know? Like, I just, I, you're right. Like, the crosstalk. But I was talking more about, like, the, just the structure. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah, the build. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel you, man. Yeah, that's really rad, man. That's really rad. So, um, you know... We've been through so much here. We've we've covered, we've covered it all. Um, we brought up the aliens. We won't get into the aliens, but next time. I'm pretty sure they. I'm pretty sure they're they're there. They just snuck that out on us a couple weeks ago in the New York Times. Um, <laughs> I just threw that out there on the Friday. Tomorrow they'll tell us that Sasquatch is real at like three thirty. Um, yeah, when he's running for president. Yeah, Sasquatch is running for president. <laughs> Very cool, Sasquatch. Thank you. You know. Um, <laughs> But um, so, you know, as we wind down here, man, in these these uncertain circumstances, um, you know, people are always asking kind of like, how can they support, you know, the bands that they love? What's the best way to do that? And um, is, is there anything you want to you want to plug anything you've got going on any way that that fans that are looking to, you know, keep uh, Haunted Shores and keep Periphery, you know, afloat? Is there anything uh, that the fans can do there? Uh, just stay tuned and stay engaged if you like the music. If uh, if if you miss live shows, um, not to get too political, it's ridiculous that this is now a political thing to talk about, like to talk about being safe and stuff. But like, we want shows to come back. Just please be responsible and and don't allow things to get worse. Yeah. Um, by not practicing what the CDC is telling you, um, and let's just all let's try to get back to normal. And we got some stuff that we're, we're releasing soon with like some side projects with our record label, Three Dot. Um, and uh, just just stay posted, man. If you want to support the band, you want to support Periphery, um, just just stay posted on what we're um, what we're putting out. Keep listening to music and, and just uh, yeah, just keep your ears open. There's there's really not a whole lot you can do for for the artists that you love other than you know, attend their live streams and things like that. We're not doing anything like that right now, but that's not out of the question. We've, we've talked about it. We may do it. But uh, no, just uh, I, I feel like music right now is pretty damn important because mental yeah. health should be at the forefront of everybody's heads these days. So uh, music's vital. So just keep listening. That's awesome. Are you a Seinfeld fan at all by any chance? Yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, so that reminds me of uh, when George is trying to scam the unemployment and she's like, are you looking for jobs? And he's like, I've been looking, but more importantly, I've been listening. <laughs> I've been listening. Oh, they're you know, like, Oh, someone's talking about looking for, Oh, you know? Uh, yeah. Gotta, gotta love George Costanza. But, uh, Mark, this has been a pleasure, man. Uh, so awesome to connect with you finally, uh, after being, awesome. a, being fans of yours. Uh, and I look forward to, look forward to having you back on and, and stay well and, and be good. And, uh, we'll, we'll catch you. We'll catch you down the road, brother. Thank you, Daryl and Justin, for having me. You guys are both really lovely people. And if you guys ever want Thank to you. do this again, um, I'm, I'm down. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. Really.